Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. Support for this episode comes from Kuat Racks. Kuat makes industry-changing products, including kayak, bike, and truck bed racks for the Ozark Outdoorsman, manufactured with the utmost care to quality, style, and longevity. With their lifetime, no worries, limited warranty, they stand behind their products like no other company. Most importantly, Kuat gives back to the community and makes positive impacts on the environment by partnering with grassroots groups. Through their Future Forest Initiative, they plant one tree for conservation with each rack sold. Kuat is based in Springfield, Missouri, and proudly supports all things Ozarks, including this show. Visit kuat.com for more information. I get down and I go back to the cabin and the guys who I'm with, they are like looking at me like I'm crazy. Like I'm feel like your dog had died. Yeah. They're like <laughs> mouth open as I walk in the door. They're like, dude, what happened? What, what happened? You're listening to the Ozark Podcast. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Ozark Podcast. We have got some exciting stuff for y'all tonight. Uh, on this episode, we are going to be talking about a new partnership that we just launched with a podcasting network. You might ask, what is a podcasting network? Uh, we're going to talk about some things that we've got coming up that we're going to tease for our Patreon and trying to get you guys some more content, some bonus episodes so that we can interact a little bit more. You guys can kind of see some of the behind the scenes stuff that we're working on, where we're going, goals for the podcast and and um, and for the Ozarks. We're also going to go through some of the the highlights of the last couple of episodes. And um, the last one, it, it seemed like y'all enjoy it. We got a lot of good listens from that, good feedback from from the last episode we did like this. So I love it. You like it? Yeah. I'm excited. What do you think, Dan? Oh, and as always, Dan's on this, this you, you episode. You got to stop announcing me on the mic. <laughs> it's just always a pleasure when Dan gets on the episode. So Thanks. it's me, it's Dan, and it's Kyle. Meaning, as always, like once every six weeks. It's just high pressure. You're back. So let's go with Kyle. What is the what is the podcast network that we just joined? Why did we join it? What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> was that a good transition for y'all? <laughs> that was great. I loved it. Freaked me out a little. Yeah, I was like, shoot. <laughs> Kyle, wh- what is a podcast network? <laughs> wow. What is a podcast network? And why did we join one? Yeah. It's, you know, the name kind of explains <laughs> what it is. <laughs> it's a network yep. for other podcasts, yeah. like-minded shows sure. who... Um, have have targeted audience and reach and kind of a, a niche thing that they talk about. And so we've teamed up with the Outdoor Recreation Network, or ORN, which includes, and you may have to help me out here. Yeah. Southern Outdoorsman Hunting Podcast. Right. Southern Waters Fishing Podcast. Right. Gun Dog It Yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bird Shot Podcast. And a bunch of other really cool outdoor podcasts. Perfect. A bunch of other really cool outdoor podcasts. And they invited us into it initially, um, which was, you know, pretty flattering, but uh, maybe that's the wrong word, maybe honoring. Yeah. Kind of going, hey, we've we've recognized this in you and uh, and what y'all are doing is really cool. And it's cool too because it's, they they reached out, they said, we recognize you guys are doing a good podcast. Um, And I think it validates too, like the stories and the people here in the Ozarks. It's like, yeah, no, like we we actually we have something that's worth talking about in the Ozarks, the people and the stories that are here. And it and it the, every every podcast in this network like takes it seriously. They're not just like a podcast that jumps on and just like talks about nothing for an hour. Like we've done for the past 10 minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not that. Yeah. Absolutely. No, like they have like good hard content that's like actually useful and will help people succeed in whatever their outdoor pursuit is yeah absolutely so we've uh we've joined that network which means we get to learn from other podcasts we get to um i guess figure out some some strategies for growth and how people do it who've been doing it longer than we have right um we're pretty excited about it yeah absolutely i'm sure i missed something daniel 
What gets you I pumped mean, you, about this? You killed it. I thought. Yeah, I mean, we're getting to be mentored by shows that are at least four years older than us, mm-hmm. who have times ten episodes than us. Maybe not times ten, but a lot, yeah. a lot more episodes than us. And they're full time guys. So and they're full time. They've been doing it full time. So even, you know, talking about if one of us wanted to go full time with it, how that would transition would work. Getting to talk to them, but I enjoyed. Two weeks ago, we had a sit down with Nick. Is it Adair? Adair. Yeah. Adair, who's a gun dog at yourself, mm-hmm. and talked for like two and a half hours, and it was like all really good information. Yeah, we and a he's lot. like, he's just on a whole nother level when it comes to his podcast and growing it and meeting with sponsors and giving his audience the best content. And mm-hmm. I don't know, we were on that call together. You were in, you were in Florida to bring Florida back. Missed a lot. It's all right. <laughs> Uh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, sit down. What What did you take away from that? Well, I think it'll be cool. And I think just transparently, like, po- you guys know, you guys listen to enough podcasts if you listen to ours. Um, or, or maybe we're the only one you listen to. I don't know. I'd be honored. You should expand. <laughs> um, well, what I was going to say is, you guys know that podcasts, to make money, it, you have to do ads. Yeah. So if you listen to podcasts long enough, there's going to be some ads. What I think... ORN will help us. And as we start to think about, like, how do we how do we make money, you know, as much as we love doing this, it is, it's something on, on the side for us that we spend time doing and, and we'd like to see um, benefits back to us as far as being paid, but also like we want to give back as well. And I think that this partnership will help us advertise in a way to you guys that it actually, like it'll be ads that are relevant to our audience mm-hmm. to, you know, I don't want to advertise something that our audience has nothing, has no interest in. Mm-hmm. I want to put something out there that's like, wow, this is really cool. I didn't know about it. Or like we can provide a discount, something that's actually mm-hmm. useful and beneficial to our audience, not just like we're trying to make money doing this. Mm-hmm. And and so we're going to just like sell any insurance company. Well, what's good is you're, at the end of the day, if that's the case, hopefully for all of our listeners, they're getting multiple tiers of that's quote unquote useful way before ads. Yeah. Like yeah. the stories of the people that come on our show and tell their story, the tactics that you're getting to be a better hunter, fisher, outdoorsman across the board in the Ozarks. Um, or just, yeah, the education, the stories, the entertainment, the conservation conversations, the people that we get to put in your ears weekly. Mm-hmm. Like that, I see that as the highest level. Yeah. And then on the back end, following some of that to help recoup all the hours we put towards it is, yeah, by the way, here's a really great air gun company that we love and trust. Or right. here's a really great real estate company that we want to push you towards if yeah. that's your thing, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And yeah, this just helps us kind of get that foot in the door and figure out how to make this a little bit more sustainable. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And it's and it's equipping people. Like we equip people with knowledge, but we can also equip people with gear and, and the mm-hmm. right gear um, that is useful to someone who hunts and fishes here yeah. um, or just hikes, floats, whatever it is. Camps. Camps, yeah. Takes pictures. Takes pictures. Takes pictures. So we're excited about it. Um, other thing I was going to say is uh, Patreon. This is something that we're, we've had a Patreon for a while. We're going to start putting a little bit more time into it um, because <clears throat> we want to have the opportunity to get a little bit closer and get to know our audience a little bit more. And I think Patreon does a really good job of creating a platform to um, have that in with a, a smaller select group of people. Mm-hmm. Not that we don't care about all of our listeners and audience, but... Um, just if people are looking for more, they want the behind the scenes, they want to see and know like what's coming up uh, on our schedule, who we're reaching out to, why, if they want to have input into some of that if stuff. they want to hear more personal stories rather than just yeah. other people's stories. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that'll be an opportunity for that. So we're going to start um, recording and releasing bonus content, bonus episodes, some behind the scenes, some insight into like why, how, what, um, you know, all of the things of making an episode, why we ask certain questions, a lot of stuff like that, um, that you'll get a flavor for on some of these types of episodes internal, but not truly like the scheduling and like how, mm-hmm. who's next, like who's coming up. We don't talk about that on, on this uh, like public platform. Yeah. Well, and I kind of want to see the Patreon become a force for good in the Ozarks yes. at the end of the day. Yes. So I know that we're always building and moving towards something, but I imagine... Yeah, just like a Patreon army of people who love the Ozarks and actually yeah. want to see it become the best it can be. They're a lot more, I guess, easily mobilized as we maybe hear of something that needs to be done or initiative that needs to be taken on or a creek that needs cleaning up or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, that's a, a, a slim examples. Mm-hmm. But right. 
that kind of thing where we're going, hey, we're doing this. We're not going to broadcast that to the whole world because who cares? We mm-hmm. have people, yeah. yeah, in the Ozarks and other places who listen. Um, so hopefully the Patreon be- can actually become like a community, kind of yeah. like you were saying. Right. Yeah, it's the most inner circle of the Ozark podcast. You've got the people who've listened to one episode, the people who listen to consistently, and as the circle gets smaller, you've got the Patreon group, which we already have seven people yeah. who are in there, and we're going to give you all some better content in the future. Yeah. Uh, but it should be a chance for us to do more like what Blunkett said. It's hard to call all, all of your audience to something, like a big project, but if you have like 10 committed people to do it, that's like way better. And so we just want to create that inner circle of, what's it called, the Ozark, the true Ozarkians? Is that the... Ozarkin. Yeah. Ozarkin. I'm taking the I out of Ozarkian. I just don't like how it sounds. Yeah. Isn't it? That's how it's spelled, though, is with an I, right? That's how some people say it. But I, I to like my that. knowledge and research, I've looked around, and it kind of depends on who you ask. And so if, if you're taking the I out, if you're asking me, I'm just going to say Ozarkin. You're removing yourself from the equation, the I. There you go. <laughs> it's not about me. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but yes, agree, totally agree with you what, what you guys said. And and I also see it as like our, our patrons can be partners, like you were saying, in honestly, if we need help with something and we have contacts with our patrons, like, hey, do you want to step up and like maybe take over this part of what we're doing? Mm. You know what I mean? Like it, it could very well turn into something like that. So like you said, inner circle. Yeah, no, another thing, this is just for a teaser for some future Patreon episodes. We had a really good talk this last week, which will be about three weeks from when people hear this, but we had a really good talk about just like vision for the company. And we might dive into that on a Patreon episode a little bit. We absolutely maybe will. Maybe pull back the curtains and what, what our, you know, 5, 10, 25, 50, 100 year vision is for this, which... 250. 250, <laughs> keep going, 500... What's the biggest number you can think of? I, my mind just blew up. No, but you're you're totally right. I didn't mean to derail you. <laughs> no, no, you're right now. But like, it's it's just gonna be an opportunity to, if you want to kind of know what, you know, what we're trying to hit. We're not just walking around the woods. Yeah, we've totally. got something we're trying to hit. Yeah, so. there's a why behind everything yeah. that we do, and we're trying to we're we're clarifying that within us, but we also want that to be clear to what you guys. Yeah. So you can maybe yeah. help. <clears throat> Heck yeah, you can. If it's just us three, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> But if you really, really love the Ozarks, like we do, yeah, we don't want it to only be for us doing a podcast and for you listening to a podcast. Mm-hmm. That's great. Like, that's what we do. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But I'd love to see us become like a true force for good in the Ozarks. Yeah. And I think we can. I mean, the, totally. the amount of people listening every month and and that we get to interact with on social media and, and through the other platforms is, one, it's astounding and it's a huge thank you to everyone who's ever tuned in and listened Mm -hmm. but it's it's enough like it's enough to really make a big difference um in the place that we live and that we love okay so that's the teaser uh for the patreon and everything else um so changing pace a little bit we're gonna go back through some of our our episodes that we just have done recently and get into some of the background insight on them and i wanted to start with tim ernst how I want to hear Daniel's me, man? Dan, hiking story too. One, thank you, oh. Dan, for filling in for Kyle yeah, while he was at the beach. Uh, and and two, how was it to sit down with Tim Ernst for man, you? Man, they say don't meet your heroes, right? Meet Tim Ernst. <laughs> if he's your hero, <laughs> meet awesome. him. Uh, it was. You've been you've known about Tim for a long time since you were born, dude. They almost named you Tim. They, I, they almost actually <laughs> named me Ernst. Really? No. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it. Actually, he's like, whoa. No, I've been a, I've been, I've known about Tim Ernst for a really long time because my my dad really got into photography, waterfall photography, and he used to take us on hikes a lot. Um, and so his his like books, especially his waterfall guide, was always like in our uh, in our house, yeah. like on a on a coffee table or even at his office, his dental office. He had like Tim Ernst pictures. And so I didn't know the name for a while, but then probably in third or fourth grade, started going on hikes with him. And one that I remember that links... With your dad or Tim? (laughs) One and the same. Got it, got it, got it. With uh, my dad. Actually, it was to Hemden Hollow. It was with you and your dad. Yeah, I was there. That uh, I just, for some reason, I associate that hike with Tim Ernst. I don't Mm -hmm. know why. Probably because we talked about it and my dad, that's what he talked about. He took photos and all that stuff and... Um, so to go out there and 
talk to a guy who I've only heard a couple people say like they've ran into him on a trail. He almost seems like a like a folklore, like a Ozark myth. He kind of has that like reputation for being like elusive a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, like you might be talking to him and then you'll like turn to walk away and you look back and he sees like gone. And you're like <laughs> Was that was him here? Was that him? <laughs> so to get to go out there and drive and just through that whole thing, I mean, on the way out there it's like an hour and a half drive through small towns and so you're kind of like in the setting already, you're in yeah. the mindset. And to sit down with him and just hear his story. And he was so much nicer than I thought he'd be. Not that I thought he'd be mean. Mm-hmm. Just because he's a big deal, you thought. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, kind of like, uh, typically these guys are showing people up, who know deal. they're a big deal, like, they know they're a big deal. And they're going to kind of let you know. Yeah. And he was like, I'm just kind of shocked that y'all came out and talked to me. I'm yeah. like, like, I just take pictures. Dude, it's that Ozarkan <laughs> humility. It is. Mm, God it is. bless. True. So, I didn't even get to the interview, but... I just, it was awesome. It was cool it was to pleasure. sit down with him for sure. I, I mean, I was the same way. Growing up, it's like, that's a household name. I think I said it in the episode. Household name, you know who he is. He's featured. I, I really think he gets a lot of credit for like featuring Arkansas in a way that people want to come visit and go to the Buffalo and see the waterfalls and go to Hawksville Craig. And it's, yeah, someone else may have taken the pictures along the way and done that same thing, but I just think he did it so well. Yeah. And um, didn't you have a someone from work who was like, Shocked that we were interviewing. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you talk to anyone, you're like, yeah, we're going to go talk to Tim Ernst. Yeah. They're like, no way. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm going to play a clip here um, from the interview. And Kyle, I want to get your thoughts on it. Love it. You find that balance of featuring something, but also protecting it. One of the early things I did with the Forest Service, they actually gave me aerial maps, topo maps, and they had little bitty X's with numbers all over a map, like of say the Richland Creek, and they had the list, and they would say sawmill, waterfall, bluff, something that was either a scenic thing or a human scar. I realized that in order to get people that didn't really care that much about that to end up on the side of that, you needed to give them a reason. And I kind of consider this and one of my overwhelming jobs. I've just been given myself to do. Promote the great beauty of what we've got here in Arkansas in particular to the point that people will appreciate it. And not only just appreciate what we've got, probably more importantly, appreciate what we don't have and what we might need to protect in the future. There's a lot of things to know about hunting turkeys in the Ozarks. But there's two things I know for sure. One, it's that turkeys have really good eyesight, so your camo matters. Canis makes an incredible turkey camo. It is comfortable, it is breathable, blends into the background like no other. It is the perfect camouflage for those long sits, back up against a white oak tree, hearing those hens and gobblers hold up 200 yards away as I'm just waiting for them to come in. The second thing you gotta know is you have to be prepared for anything. Whether it's a tom sneaking up behind you or a rainstorm coming at you out of nowhere, Canis has you covered. From the Nunavut rain jacket to the chamois fleece hoodie to the alpine pant with built-in knee pads, make sure you have Canis on you for this upcoming turkey season. Use our discount code OZARK for 15% off website or in-store, and good luck this turkey season. Sadly, hunting season in the Ozarks has come to an end. But in these hills and haulers, it's always been the off season where woodsmen dialed in their equipment to get ready for the next hunt. And there is no better time to dial in your shot grouping with some new gear from Umarex. Our friends over at Umarex produce some of the most accurate air-powered rifles in the world with everything from 22 caliber guns for squirrels and rabbits, 30 calibers for coyotes, bobcats, and coons, all the way up to 50 caliber air rifles that can take down white-tailed deer, barrel hogs, and bear. Umarex leads the industry in accuracy and innovation, making some of the best hunting air guns on the market, hands down. Head on over to umarexusa.com and use our discount code OZARKAIR for 12% off your entire order and start getting dialed in for your next hunt. The reason I asked that question is because a lot of times, before you go in here, Kyle, a lot of times you, you see people who they feature something special, they feature something cool, and then it's all of a sudden you'll see on, on social media, like, why did you name drop that spot? Why did you tell more people to go there? Oh my gosh, like this sacred place now has like been broadcasted. Everyone's going to want to come see it and, and they're going to ruin it. So that was why I asked the question because I see that side of it and I, I get that perspective. So I was curious to, to hear him who has broadcasted 
the beauty of Arkansas in certain specific places mm-hmm. out to the world. I wanted to get his take on that. I think for, I don't know, uh, kind of a bigger deal place than maybe Arkansas. That's going to be a major problem. I think Arkansas and maybe the Ozarks specifically have been historically just kind of the lowest tier in people's minds <laughs> as far as natural beauty or the people that come from there or the heritage that it holds or what it can provide for, let's just let's just say, men and women in the United States. Uh, Arkansas has historically not had a great image. I think culturally some different things have perpetuated that image. Uh, I mean, I can remember when my cousins who grew, like, you know, their mom grew up in Arkansas and they moved to Texas, they would come back and they had friends who would not jokingly, like legitimately ask them, oh, do they wear shoes there? Mm. <laughs> like, do they wear <laughs> shoes in Arkansas? And wow. my cousins were like, yeah, like they're normal people. <laughs> um, I think in, in Tim Ernst's case, showcasing Arkansas's natural beauty, because it is the natural state and all the things we're proud of, probably brought it to like the level that it needed to be and maybe still even a little under as far as ruining a resource or over like kind of spot burning a place, something like that. And just showing like, actually what we have to offer here is really incredible and it's worth protecting and preserving and holding on to and conserving and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I, I got out of his episode quite a bit of the, the interplay between humans talking about wild places and natural features and, the animals that like that make it their habitat, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then what is our job to protect it and respect mm-hmm. it? And it seems like he's making the case throughout his entire, I guess two episodes, we did a part one and two yeah. is, um, Hey, at least for the area that we're in, the more we can show people what it already has to offer and give them steps to protect it and care for it and actually, actually love it is a beautiful thing in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he knows his audience. I think he knows the humble Ozarkin uh, or anybody coming from the rest of the United States to come check out some of our natural beauty isn't going to treat it like a theme park. Yeah. <laughs> Just trash it. Yeah. Um, at least that's the hope. And I know you always have the one-off. And I don't know. I feel like most of the things that that maybe blow up on social media or it's like, I can't believe you did that. It's some dude who's really ticked off because it's his one fishing hole. Right. But it's also yeah. on public water next to public access. And it's like, okay, dude. Yeah. You don't <laughs> it's, own that. It's yeah. Not yours. That people fish there. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. And yeah. so, yeah, I guess the heart of your question, what do I feel about it? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. How yeah. do you feel about it? Uh, what, and what side do you err on with like, cause we do a little bit of it. Like we talk about specific places sure. and when we go, out and we visit a specific river you know some of the guys we're with they're like hey can we not name this sure because this is kind of this not a whole lot of people come here and and i don't really know what would happen if a lot of people did where yeah where do you land on that i think it's about getting the right people and so tim Ernst is going to get the right people Mm -hmm. hopefully if we do our job well the ozark podcast is going to get the right type of people it's it's the people who don't only want to consume a resource but who also want to they want to protect it or give back to it or understand in a way that's deeper and more meaningful than just taking it in for an Instagram post, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, when, you know, when we don't talk about a river, it's because somebody specifically asked us to. And some of that even is they may not, there may not be public access. And so true. we don't want to help people inadvertently break the law. They're like, we can't get on it. Um, but I think if you get the right people and they use it wisely and they understand all that's at play, um, then you actually help increase the, for example, smallmouth habitat in that creek. Or you actually help that waterfall because it's it's now on a map somewhere and people yeah. can enjoy it. And uh, before there was no way to get to it and it's kind of hidden and maybe a builder comes through and is going to tear it down. Who's now, who knows? Now it's going to be protected. Yeah. So the right people, I guess, was my final answer. I don't have a perfect way to, to no. outline that, but I, yeah, I think it's get it out to the right people and they're going to do the right thing. I think that's good. It, there is a nuance there because I think it's easy to see as, as an outdoorsman who hunts and fishes and appreciates quote-unquote honey holes and special totally. spots and places. I can see that side of it. Um, my honey holes are private. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I don't share those. Yeah, I don't share those. And so, yeah, it's like there are certain things that mm-hmm. are a little bit different. So that is a gray, a little bit of a gray area. 
waterfalls, Dan. And hiking story. How do I feel about this? Um, I want to know. I'm going to ask a slightly different version of the question. I'm just going to answer how I feel about this. Is is there a benefit to leaving a waterfall completely alone, and to where the extent that like nobody knows about it? Uh, depends on the waterfall. I would say. I heard there's a secret waterfall out somewhere in the Buffalo Wilderness area. <laughs> no way. I'm dead serious. Actually. Are there any secrets left, though? Like, no, like, I've hiked for this thing and well, like, thought we're going to find it. Somebody knows about it, though, because you know about it. No, I know that it's a secret. <laughs> I don't know where it is. There's something about if people. You, if you know, sorry. Yeah, keep you're going, trying keep to answer. Going. No, no, you keep going, keep going. If you know that it's a secret, someone didn't keep the secret. <laughs> That's true. I mean, <laughs> sure. Are aliens anyway. real? <laughs> <laughs> this, that's a question nowadays. Anyway, Dan, waterfalls. Dan. Well, I was just I was just going to say there's a difference between it being in the public domain, like people, a lot of people knowing about it, and then a few people knowing about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's places that Tim's been that he's not even going to publish the photos. Yeah. Right? And he wouldn't even talk about it on a podcast. And that's that's his right. He, he mentioned totally. there's waterfalls that he doesn't have in his books and he doesn't include. In, and that's good. Yeah. I think that's good. I mean... It's a fine line, but I'm actually not going to answer your question. Sweet. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I think it does depend on the waterfall. If it's if it's one that, like, it would be better conserved if it had more momentum behind it, then, yes, it mm-hmm. should be known. How you would judge that, I don't know. Yeah. Smarter people would be able to do that. Yeah. But I think he says that's, that's a fair answer. I don't know because I don't. I, think, I don't know. I don't know. They're the not going to be asking me. I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> Should we conserve this? I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> why are you asking me that question? Like, I make podcasts. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I interviewed Tim Hurts, yeah, right? Yeah. The uh, the thing that I thought he said that I've, I've thought about quite a bit was, and I've never heard anyone say it this clearly. If there's something that you care about, and maybe more importantly than that, you something you know is really beneficial. The way you get people who, you know, can care about so many different things in this world is actually showing the beauty of it. Mm. And I don't mean to get philosophical, but I think in our current just culture, there's so many things grabbing attention of like, you need to be a part of this. You need to care about this, whatever. But I think we treasure, for good or bad, we treasure beauty. Mm-hmm. And so how do you get the average person to care about the Ozarks? Mm-hmm. You have to... It's not that you make it more beautiful than it already is. It is beautiful. Right. You just have to convince people that it is. And I think Tim has done, like, that's that's his job. Yeah. No one gave it to him, yeah. which is another another cool thing. It's almost like the most important jobs, like, no one's going to give you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just have to do it. It's like a you know it. And when you said that, you can actually hear it in that clip a little bit. He almost gets a little choked up. Like, he does. I could hear it in his voice quiver just that slight second. Right when he said, and it's almost like I gave it to myself. It's like an overwhelming job yeah. that I have like kind of given to myself like you hear that that passion behind that's it. like his center like calling he's yeah. like mm-hmm. I've never really vocalized this but like that I gave it to myself yeah there was a moment and he probably couldn't identify that he was like that's what I'm supposed to be doing I'm supposed to be doing that stuff so I just for us like we're young trying to figure stuff out I just, it was really inspiring to see someone Tim reminds me of the type of guy who and he would he, I don't know if he'd use these words but he kind of lives by the mentality of Anything you can hype somebody into, you can hype them out of. Mm. It's like you can get really up in arms about something, and it can be a good cause. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that's not going to be self-sustaining much longer than th- that cause either solved or it's not, or yeah. you lose steam. And you're right. For him, it was a, a capture of beauty. It was a lifestyle, and it was a love. All those things tied into one that is going like, no, this is actually the driving force mm. of w- what I hope to accomplish in my life. Yeah. And I want to showcase it through photography. And I think any outdoor pursuit or anything that's really worth doing at the end of the day is going to be, yeah, can you see the beauty in it? Or can you see, can you actually find whatever that is within whatever it is that you're doing that is going to fuel you towards the love for that thing in and of itself? Yeah. And then people catch on to that. Yeah. And they can't let go of it. And even if you're the first person to get really excited about it, that's a very different thing than I'm like, I'm going to hype you up to do something. It's then let me show you why this has changed my life. Mm-hmm. And then people around you go, well, I want a taste of that. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I just, I'm contagious. glad that we don't, we did not grow up in a Tim Ernst's less 
Ozarks. Like I'm glad that Tim, I didn't say it the most the best way. Tim I'm glad Ernst that we West. were alive. Like that Tim was in the Ozarks. Yeah, that we live mm. in the Ozarks that had Tim Ernst in it because. Yeah. Who knows what it would be like if he wasn't there? Well, I will say this. I I went on a rabbit hole the other night um, that is relevant to this topic right now that predates Tim Ernst. And it's the story of the buffalo in general um, and how it was saved, how it became a national river and, and all that. Do you guys ever go on like YouTube and you're all of a sudden it's like you start and it's 930 and then all of a sudden it's <laughs> 1 a.m. and you're like... How on earth did, have yes. I been watching <laughs> stupid YouTube videos for the last four hours? So I did this the other night. Uh-oh. And I found a, a full-length documentary on the Buffalo River. And it's actually released by um, the Ozark Society, which it was the foundation created by Dr. Neil Compton, who was fund- fundamental in, in the preservation of the buffalo. Yeah. And... It goes, it's, it's an awesome documentary. Would totally recommend it. It's on their website, the Ozark Society. Um, just Google it. It goes into exactly this type of topic where it's, it's the 50s, it's the 60s. They're damming up every river. It's the White, mm-hmm. it's the Norfolk, it's going to be the Buffalo. Um, you know, they created Table Rock, um, Bull Shoals, all the stuff. So Beaver. Beaver. Mm-hmm. The next one is going to be the buffalo. It's like the plans are drawn. It's going to happen. And actually, what I learned was there's a really good chunk of people, like a, a large chunk of people, I don't know, 50% or maybe even a majority at the time, actually wanted the dam. They were really? like, yeah, build it. We want a lake. Let's do it. Out Recreation. We want boating, all the stuff. And I don't know if it's a majority, like I said, but a good enough amount of people to where there was like even newspapers coming out and like saying, oh, this is false information that the buffalo is this and blah, blah, blah. We need a dam. It would benefit us in X, Y, and Z. And all that to say that it took people like Dr. Neil Compton taking out prominent figures, uh, influential people to go see it, mm. to spend mm. time on it. They, they organized like a three-day float with um, a Supreme Court justice I'm forgetting his name right now, um, but he literally flew in from D.C. and it was this huge event to have a Supreme Court justice come visit the Buffalo with this entourage of media and they spent like three days on the river, set up camp underneath Big Bluff and like it was it was individual events like that that was just showing people the beauty of it that ultimately led to its ultimate protection and, yeah. and becoming a national river. And so you're right, like when things are faced, depending on the context and when things are faced with a threat to it, um, for sure you have to highlight it then and say like here's why we need to protect it but then like maybe sometimes you don't like if it's not under threat and and causing highlighting it might actually cause more of a threat to it more harm to it mm-hmm. yeah maybe you don't and, and that's kind of the the gray area of there of like the discretion of figuring that out he also said someone in the film and it might have been dr compton um but it might have been ken smith i'm not re- remembering who said the norfolk so the North yeah, Fork totally. Lake was even more beautiful than the Buffalo. What? And they, mm. and they damned it. He was like, because he's been around since before, and he was like, you won't, you won't believe it, and you, you'll never see it again because all those bluffs are gone. They're underwater. Totally. It was even more beautiful. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? To the North Fork River. Yeah. Before turning it into the lake. Yeah. It makes me kind of sad. It does, doesn't it? There's a story. I was listening to another podcast, and Dan, you may know this because you're this kind of your within your world but stereogram does that sound right talk more do you know what that is, is if that's is the it right an word, audio thing you would think maybe it's the wrong name it's whatever <laughs> was like the early form of color photography that you would look through like an eyepiece so it's like if you go to silver dollar city and you look through the little peephole at like one of those rides and it's a a I don't know, a clown and something, and it looks like an old photo. I We can cut all this. That, whatever that <laughs> is, that this. word. That was great. Okay. That thing that people invented that was essentially kind of first-form photography yeah. that was more mass-produced rather than like, Are you talking about the thing like, that thing? Maybe. Like flip through. Essentially, end of the story. That Those photos of Yellowstone is what convinced all the justices at the time I've and all the people in, yeah. in charge of deciding what's going to be kind of a, a you know national land or not to actually make Yellowstone be a huge wow. park and wildlife reserve and all this kind of stuff. And so 
you, you have that and you have the buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> now two major instances of, no, it actually, it takes people experiencing it and seeing it and being captivated by it to go, oh, no, no, that's, that's worth protecting. And fun fact, exactly 100 years later to the day, March 1st, 1972, the Buffalo River was formed as a Buffalo National River. Exactly 100 years before that, Yellowstone was formed as a national park. Man, look so at that. the big question is, we're going to be alive for 2072. Yeah, I got it. Undam the North Fork. <laughs> I want to float well, that puppy. <laughs> I mean, kind of all, all joking aside, like what what is the Yellowstone or Buffalo National River that like in our lifetime needs to be conserved? Hmm. Bristol Bay, Alaska. It's out of our zone. Sure, but it's... <laughs> you mean here? People, yeah. people talk about it. Is there anything it. here? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Is that the place that hmm. has like the 100-year-plus fish that uh, Joe Wilson was talking about? Bristol Bay? I don't know if he's in Bristol. I don't know. Maybe. But he was up there somewhere. It's one that gets talked about in the broader outdoor world that we are a part of, but we only hold on to a tiny, yeah. tiny percent of it. It's uh, It's kind of always under threat for like mass mass fishing and whatever else, but it's also a national treasure kind yeah. of deal. So it's not like a national but it's not actually a national like right. mandate. It's, it's not protected. Okay. Interesting. Bristol Bay. But yeah, for the Ozarks, is that what you're asking? I'm like, is there something out there that like they maybe. try to take away and we're like, Did we maybe one in our lifetime, maybe our parents' lifetime, we kind of missed the boat with the quail. I would say Maybe that that's it, is bring back the bring quail. Bring back the quail. Maybe. Yeah. Because I mean, like a preserve, there's like a huge preserve, maybe. I don't know. Kyle has the books of, was it three different chronicles of Ozark history? Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. Yep. There's writings in there of like, the quail were so thick, we won't even hunt them because it's not sporty. That is, yeah. <laughs> like, forget it. They're just everywhere. And now, yeah, that's just not the case. Yeah, you huh. just can't find them. Wow. But I don't know. It's maybe a good it's, question. Maybe it's the quail. It's something to think about. Something to think about. For sure. As we all age and Well, just to keep wrinkly. your eyes open of like, there's probably things out there that need to be protected and it might be in our backyard. And, and they may try to, you know, sometimes you don't know what you have until someone tries to take it away. Yeah. And so maybe that day comes where they're like, yeah, they're trying to take away something that's like, oh my gosh, that we cannot let that happen. And, yeah. and that'll be the, the impetus for it. I wonder what that'll be. All right. We're going to switch pace. Yep. Greg Bohannon. We're talking bass fishing. I'm not going to talk much on this one. I'll be, <laughs> this, is, this is more y'all. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a clip um, from Greg's episode that was fun to hear about and think about as someone who <laughs> and fishes. Um, so here it is. We're accidentally hooking the walleye. So the last few times oh. I've been out there, I keep love accidentally it. hooking in the walleye. I actually love. It. I remember finishing third at Beaver Lake in 2008. Is my rookie season. It's like the second or third tournament of the year. The water's up. The water's stained. I'm throwing a crankbait, and I really got on them on some flat pea gravel points. I was catching about 12 or 13 pounds a day. I made the top 10. It's almost time to weigh in. We, we, we were coming down. I said, man, I got one more flat point to run. If I can catch one more good fish, I think I might be able to win this tournament. Back then, it paid 200000 Shoot. And so I pull up on the point. I've got a camera boat with me. I fire that crankbait out there. I'm reeling down. One locks up on it. I said, oh, my gosh. Uh, it rolls, and it's green looking. And I, lo I looked at the camera. My voice was cracking. I said, this is a $200,000 fish. You know? yeah, and I get deal. the water's really muddy, though. So I get it up there. I get it all the way to the boat. I reach in my net. It wasn't until I hit the bottom of the net that I realized it's like an eight-pound walleye. Uh, <laughs> and I just fell over backwards in the boat. And, and I was, I've never wanted to flay a walleye so bad. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that one hurts. That hurts. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine the just fishing for a living to begin with. And then the fact that you can like win a tournament that would pay you $200,000 and to be like one fish away from achieving that. <laughs> and it's a walleye. That hurts. That hurts. We posted this, this reel on Instagram and on Facebook, and Facebook loved it. It got like 400,000 views like or or it reached 400,000 different people oh it blew up it was crazy and like my facebook notification was just like boom 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 all day long and it ended up hitting this pocket of people that actually weren't bass fishermen it was like walleye fishermen and they're like how'd you do it and, <laughs> and no and what they were saying is like only some bass guy would never appreciate catching a nice walleye <laughs> and I, I was like trying some of them i tried to respond to but you know you just can't respond to everything yeah. And I was like, well, you guys realize it, he's sad about the wallet be 
because he was fishing in a bass tournament. <laughs> it's not that he hates walleye. Like, he probably loves walleye. It's not a metaphorical $200,000 fish. It would have literally won him $200,000. Yeah. Some people are like, he should have been happy with what he caught as an outdoorsman. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, I get that. But also, no. Didn't make for a very good story. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine catching a $200,000 fish? Like, realistically, if he lands that one and he, and he ends up winning... That change, I mean, that's life-changing. That would be unreal. No, I can't imagine it because I have never professionally fished. So. But like, even the pressure on like that, that big fish that you caught mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago uh, on the white, the 26-inch brown, like you, you probably felt a lot of pressure to bring that into the net. Oh, yeah. But it's because it's I, really, I really wanted to catch him. That's <laughs> yeah. the only reason. But it's not because Yeah, it wasn't because I was going to get a, a nice payday out of it. Yeah. It's because I'd never caught a fish like that before. That's true. Yeah. But, but the pressure's there. The so pressure's there. Take that. Yeah, and then, no, you're right. I cannot imagine. It's wild. Like, this could win the tournament. And water stained, as you said. It looked like a bass. It was green. And it was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. Like, this is going to do it for me. Yeah. No, that was... It's it was, like the ultimate high and the ultimate low all wrapped into all a couple in, of minutes. Yeah, just probably a moment, really. I bet it's a fun fight. I bet the adrenaline that happened within that fight is still something he doesn't forget. Just the feeling of, like, yeah. this could be the one. Oh, that's what you chase. I, oh, yeah. I have to imagine as, as a... Professional tournament angler, you're chasing that feeling of like the next one could like really change things for me. So I've got a question for you, Kyle. Okay. In your experience of your life, what is the closest thing to a two hundred thousand dollar fish that you've experienced in the outdoors? Ooh, you can you can talk question. feeling. You can talk. I don't know. Take it however you'd like. Man, first deer. The okay. I'll 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 just go in with this one. This is gonna be my answer. It was a, it was weird enough. It was a feeling that came after the moment. So maybe not exactly what you're asking, but it was two years ago. I was deer hunting and I think, you know, the story I'm going to tell, but I was deer hunting and this deer comes in and it's dark. It's first thing in the morning and the light is to the point that like, I can't see I know it's a buck. I hear him grunting. There's does all around. This actually has some similar themes yeah. <laughs> to, the, to the fish. It does. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I know he's here and he's just got to hang out for probably like, I'm not kidding, three more minutes until I can see because I know it's a buck. I don't know how big it is. I'm not just going to shoot at something that I can't really like make out. And you know legal lights right around the corner. Exactly. And, and at this point, like... I don't know. It could have even been legal light, but I was probably playing it too safe or something like that because, like, I could even see that it had antlers. I just couldn't see, like, how big the mass, anything on it. I just know it's a buck. And I sit there and I wait, and he sticks around for maybe 30 seconds. He's there, he comes and he goes, and he walks off, and I'm like, dang, man, I wish he would have stayed so I could see what he was. Come to find out, via the trail cam that was (laughs) under my tree that got nighttime photos... Mm -hmm. I get down and I go um, back to the camp, the cabin, and the guys who I'm with, they're hunting. They get, they have the cell pictures mm-hmm. sent to them. And they're like looking at me like I'm crazy, like I'm going to be depressed or sad, like something should be wrong with me. Like they're they're expecting some kind of reaction out they're, of me. As you walked in the door, they, they looked at you like your dog had died. Yeah, they're <laughs> like mouth open as I walk in the door. They're like, <laughs> dude, what happened? What, what, what happened? And I'm like... This is a weird reaction. I've never <laughs> felt this from you guys before because they're big time deer hunters. And um, they're just like looking at me crazy. I'm like, what? Like, what? And they're like, the buck that was under your stand, the buck, he was 10 yards from your stand. What happened? I'm like, yeah, man, that, it was crazy. Like this buck came in first thing and I couldn't see it. And they're like, no, Kyle, like, you do not understand. They turn around, they show the, the picture to me. This is a... This is the biggest deer I may ever see in my life in the Ozarks. <laughs> Unreal. The the spread on it was like a Texas deer that you see like down way south Texas. Just insane. The spread is way wider than its body outside of its whole frame, everything. It was huge. Probably a, probably a 150 plus inch deer, which for the Ozarks is just, mm-hmm. I mean, I've never seen a deer that big here. Guys who are listening from Kansas and Big Buck States are like, that's not that big of a deer. But for here and for where I hunt, insane. And um, and yeah. He's, do you still have that picture? I do, yeah. We should definitely put that in the Instagram. We should, yeah. This was the deer that was 10 yards in front of me, broadside, and just walked away because <laughs> I couldn't see it. 
so it, <laughs> to your question, the similar theme of like, yeah, there's a buck and it slips away. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, that I've felt that before. It's good. What about you? Oh, I wasn't expecting to answer. You have to answer. Uh, do you have a moment like that that the pressure was mounted and it didn't come through? Or maybe it did come through. Maybe it happened. Mm-hmm. Talk to me just more about the pressure. The pressure. And did you rise up to the occasion? Under pressure. Um, I'll have to think for a second. I feel like in most cases, Kyle has risen to the That's why. The task. I think there's an obvious one that you've self-filmed. Well, we've talked about that one before. We have talked it's about still that. still awesome. But honestly, kudos to you, Kyle, because I think the moments that you've had pressure, you have performed well under it, and you've... You've pulled it off. Think about a deer Still story. Not about- to say that it's happened every time, because I can remember a big fish that didn't happen. Mm. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> that one haunts both of us, I think, a little bit. Yep. I can tell that story. Yeah, that's a good one. That one hasn't been told yet. When was so, this? So Kyle and I, was this before Steve Daly or the, the next day? This Or was this a year before Steve Daly? I think this was... It was either... The, it was I, the year before. I think it was the year before. So last summer... Actually, about this time. Yeah. Kind of August time. It is hopper season. It is. Uh, you're going over there soon. Oh, heck yeah. That's going to be fun. Um, Kyle and I got an episode with Steve Dowley, and it was, yeah, it was all hopper season. So it's big foam bugs, right, that are going to drop off the grass and uh, into the water, and the browns eat them. And it was fun because he walked us through, like, the five steps you have to do, and it like, all really, really good stuff. And... uh I mean, even like you're hitting three inches of water because that's where the bugs are dropping and you're like, a brown can't live there. And it's like, no, no, they do. And as he's telling these stories, I'm replaying this story in my mind from the year previous. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, we totally messed that up. Like yeah. We did it wrong in so many different ways. And what we had done is we just gotten the oars on the trout boat and we we decided to go out there for the weekend and spend two days, one day just learning how to row because those things are heavy and we weren't very good at it. Yeah, we We've were new to gotten it. Gotten really good at it now, but it, like truly uh, probably a four-hour learning curve, if not more, mm-hmm. to feel comfortable like you're in control and like you're not just going to kill everybody on the boat because um, <laughs> the water was high. Yeah. And so we did that, and that, the first day of fishing was let's figure out the oars out in the middle, and we'll just drop off like midges and whatever else off the side of the boat and pull up stalker rainbows. Great day of fishing. Who cares, though, right? At the end of the, like, it's fun. Did that. So the next morning, we got up and we're like, all right, we're doing the hopper thing. Because yeah. it's September. It's time to go. It's early in the morning. Kyle's first on the oars. I have on a big cicada because it was part of the, what, is it 20 year or 10 year? Yeah, it was that big cicada hatch that I don't know exactly how many years, but it's like only so often, it's every a, once a decade. Multiple, maybe. yeah, it's like a it's a decade type hatch where these things only might be a 17 year hatch, mate, lay eggs, die, and then it takes them that many years. You'll have to Google it. That many years to come back, Daniel. It, so it's like cicadas a, happen all the time. Yeah. But there's a specific, specific time where okay. like the cicadas are a big deal. And people get fired up about them, right? Because the fishing's awesome. So I remember I had on this big old cicada pattern and I cast it to the bank doing all the things. And after listening to Dali's episode, we realized that we had a lot of things wrong. The biggest thing I did wrong, which is just foolish because I'm still learning how to fish at this point, is I saw it was probably, if you cut off the edges of a dinner plate, but like a pyramid-shaped brown trout mouth come up for this this cicada. And the cicada pattern, I mean, you can see it on the video. It's my middle finger to my thumb around. It's a yeah. circle, um, you know, longest finger to my thumb. And this fish's mouth on either side's absolutely dwarfed it. This oh. wasn't like a fish is going to get it and hit the hook and, you know, it's maybe too big to handle. Like it was going to swallow that thing like a stalker swallows an ant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's what we were looking at. And I saw it come up and got so excited that I didn't say Steve Daly's God Save the Queen. Yep. And I set that puppy before it had a chance to touch <laughs> his mouth. It, I it mean, like, it was whoop. like... It was like, dang it. I yeah. was waiting for that. I was going to eat Mouth that. open. And as soon as it's open, I'm like, hook set. Yeah. And just totally missed it. <laughs> just and ripped then it we out. spent the next 10 minutes just, can you believe that? Oh, my goodness. And then Kyle, of course, is like, you... Totally messed that up. <laughs> How could you? Oh, man. And uh, 
yeah, that probably, mm. you know, if I would have posted that to Instagram with monetization, $200,000 fish, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a huge fish. It was, uh, I'm just kidding. it would have been that, but it was an, it's still, it's one of those moments that normally you play a moment back from like something that you, you did, but like, his moment still plays in my head. Like I remember seeing that fish come up and being like, "Oh my gosh!" And, and it didn't happen. <laughs> and Punkin goes, Boop. "Just totally whiffed." <laughs> nope, give me that. Give so me that I, back. that's the time where I caught that that big trout we talked about a few months ago. Yeah. The next weekend, I, t- I took out my uh, cousin and his wife from New York, and uh, he missed a fish like that. This is a funny story. Did he really? Not that big, but big like in in the mid 20s to high 20 range a big brown because because he was he was floating something on the top with the dropper and as this fish was coming up he was looking up in the air because he just watched an eagle poop and he was watching the poop fall towards him (laughs) and was really captivated by by the beauty (laughs) i mean the beauty right there he cared about captivated by this and he watches it hit the hit the water and he turns and i'm rowing he's like did y'all see that? Like, that was incredible. That's like never been that close. It was amazing. And as soon as he was trying to say that, I was like, did you not see that? Like pointing to the water, like what you missed? Oh. And he he had no idea. He was like, dude, that was worth it. That was a, like, that was so cool. I've caught a bunch of fish. I was like, no, 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 no. You just missed a huge fish because you were like literally had eagle your head in the clouds. <laughs> looking, at eagle like, looking up in the clouds. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Those things That's happen, funny. friends. If yes. you fish long enough, you'll have them. It does happen. I would say try to take the approach Kyle has, Kyle Veet, which is let them roll off your back, laugh about them, and then make fun of your buddies for them. Yeah. Uh, That's helpful. That's the best way to do it. It's the only way to move on. Mm. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll just beat yourself up forever. <laughs> it's a 17-year cicada hatch, by the way. 17? Okay. Wow. They stay underground for 17 years. Isn't that wild? And then when that passes, which no one knows for sure how... Scientists speculate certain reasons they come back out. They have alarm clocks. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is crazy. So that's what we were fishing. Yeah. So 17 years from two years ago, it will be time. And we'll be how old? <laughs> In our 40s? Wow. Yeah. 15 years from now? Yeah. Ugh. I'm not going to tell my age, but yeah. We'll, we will all be in the 40s. Early 40s. Well, Kyle, we have a chance to redeem ourselves. We'll be back. By the time we're in our early 40s. We're going to go catch that fish. He'll be bigger. We're going to go get that fish. He'll be bigger. He's going to be Hopefully he's still alive. like a leviathan. I don't know how long then. they live. At least 17 years. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. That fish was already old. Yeah, it was. We'll see. All right. There'll be another one. Should we do our last reel? Or last, do we have two more? We've got a couple more. Uh, let's, do, let's do last one. We've got, we've got one more reel. Um, this one is from... Ryan Walker. Oh my gosh, I skipped one. It's not a real. Um, oh no, no, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do Ryan Walker. I've got a real. This one is. We just posted this one recently, and um, it's getting some love. People are watching. They're listening. Which one is it? Foam is home. Yes, foam is home. Actually, I'm I not... misspelled oxygenated water. Can you see it? Oh yeah, it's oigenated. Oigenated. No X. Oigenated. TBs. I'm not going to play that one. I'm going to play a different one. We've talked about that before. Foam line, dead drift, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, rookie Only stuff, reason. Though. Okay, here you go. I hear a lot of people talking about well, hogermites. It's one of the smallmouth's favorite food. Do you ever fish them and, yeah. and would you? See all those white circles on the tree right there? Yeah, what That's last year's hogermite eggs. Oh, no way. Yeah. All the new egg sacs are going to look just like that here in another month. And those larvae are going to fall out into the water. Any any sycamore or any tree you find hanging over the water, look at it. Helgramites are, they're fun to fish because you can punch one into a riffle and high stick it through there and just watch your line bounce and set up on them. And yeah. It's like a big drift for a trout. Yeah, there are a lot of, and mm-hmm. you can drop them off the back of a big popper and popper dropper it. It's a lot of fun. The trout guys might be a little bit more at home with that if they're. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's where it comes from, right? Yeah. I mean, it's hopper dropper, popper dropper. They love eating eating that way and this is perfect water to fish it in that we're sitting next to right now i must say hopper dropper popper dropper he said that seamlessly <laughs> i was gonna say dan have you ever heard of <laughs> a, a popper dropper no have you ever heard of a hopper dropper nope have you ever heard of a hopper dropper popper dropper <laughs> yes from this video nice <laughs> just now he said it so he was just like hopper dropper popper dropper I'm that's like, kind of a tongue twister like say that five times so hopper popper dropper wait what which which one was hopper popper dropper popper 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 you nailed it 
Dude, that was good. That was just, you you kind of sure. crushed it. You're going to have to go back and listen we'll to that. We'll slow-mo that. that, that, so that I'll, I'll ask Kyle this. Okay. Have you ever heard of a popper dropper? A popper dropper? Correct. I, I have. And Not me. The only place that I've heard it is I'm in a bunch of different Facebook groups. Whoa, humble brag. <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. He's kind of a boomer. I kind of can do yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm all over Facebook. <laughs> I'm kind of old. Um, and, and probably most of the people in the groups are are older than me, but that's okay. There's something to learn there. Absolutely. The group that specifically I've heard of that in is a panfish fly fishing group, mm. and they fish a lot of popper droppers. Well, they'll, they'll drop down, like they're going after long ears, Sunfish, um, bluegill, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they will do a little popper, drop down to like a copper john mm-hmm. or a, a midge of some kind. And that's how they catch their fish. I like it. Yeah. So Helgamites. So Helgamites. Man, what a fascinating creature. I've never fished one. Same. Have you? No. I feel like the closest thing I would fish would be a stonefly pattern yeah or something within kind of that vein right of larva but big we've fished like um like a uh, i think a boogle bug mm-hmm. is like would be kind of similar but honestly what i've seen um there's a a, a fly called a murray's helgramite and it kind of looks to me like a woolly bugger where it's got um a long body but then off the tail it's got a long tail yep that's not marabou like maybe a woolly bugger would be but it's some kind of feather that helps it flex and bend like a helgramite would um, and, and I assume, and kind of from what I've heard and what he talked about was like, you'd kind of dead drift it or mm-hmm. high stick it through a riffle. But I have always heard people, especially like people who have spent a lot of time in the Ozarks talk about Helgramites and how it's one of smallmouth's favorite foods and how you can fish them, fly or spin rod, anything like that. You can catch them in the Creek and put them on a hook and it's, you'll just tear them up. Mm-hmm. You just have to be able to find them. What I thought was really interesting was it was one of those moments that you learn about something and then immediately after, everywhere you look, you see it. Yeah. You know those moments where you're like... What is that called officially? How have I not ever noticed that before? Because the moment he pointed that out to us, we had been floating a half day. Like, we were already halfway through the float. Well, and that and every other time we've ever floated. Yeah. Like, never have recognized what it is. Exactly. But then literally that day, the rest of the float... It was like you couldn't even say that you can maybe make the case that, okay, well, other places we've been, maybe there just weren't a lot of them. Sure. But like, no, literally the whole first half of the day, I didn't see any of them. I didn't notice them. But then from there on, every single tree, every single log that was hanging over the water, I saw them. Mm. And that was just, that's something that's like, I don't know. It's just, it stood out to me that you learn something and then you can apply it and you think about it. And now you're going to notice that everywhere you go. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I love the outdoors in general mm-hmm. is because I feel like there's that opportunity every time you go out into the woods. It's kind of like the first time we taught Daniel to look yep. for deer trails. I was trails. literally just about to say that. And then we spent the rest of the day with like, oh, deer trail. We're like, yes. That <laughs> and the help of Red Dead Redemption too. I, man, I walk in the forest now and I'm like, oh, look, a little doe walked right there probably. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it opens a whole new world. You're like, mm-hmm. how have my eyes not seen this? Yeah. What's the deer trail story? I don't know if he he wasn't out. The feet wasn't out there. Mm. It was just me and Plunkett. This is actually the first time we talked about the first semblance of starting an outdoor company, and it was going to be a a printed something, which is still not off the table. But we were out there pretty setting the up, pr- probably pretty <laughs> off the table. We were out there setting up uh, trail cams and just hanging out. And I don't know if I asked. I probably was playing Red Dead Redemption Two at the time, which. If we have any fans out there, it's a great game. You can hunt and fish and do all this stuff. It's it's really cool. But go outside and do it for real. Anyways, we were out there, and I think I was just like, he, he like said, hey, look, you see that trail? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, no, I don't know how to read the, the woods at all. And so uh, he's like, oh, let me show you. He's like, there's a scrape. There's a little trail. You see how it's like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then once you kind of get used to it and you start identifying, you can't unsee it. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, it's yeah. so cool. So it's just like a whole nother like, it's how you interact with the woods, and it's how, like, the animals interact. Mm-hmm. They have their own little roads that they take that you wouldn't take. Yeah, right. Which is really, it's just so cool. It's cool. You, like, you notice it, and it kind of opened up a whole new world oh for you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Which is why, like, I hope, and I, and I think about people who have spent their whole life in the woods and in the outdoors, like, 
I hope to be able to do that and teach someone something that like unlocks that for them. And every time I go out, like I want to learn something and see like, oh, there's this type of mushroom. That means X. And that means that mm-hmm. the humidity here is this. And so you should be looking for this, this, and this. And those plants will grow and that attracts deer, right? Like totally. this puzzle that all fits together and it all makes perfect sense. And there's a, a uh, intelligent design behind it. Like there's pieces of it that you get as you spend more time in it. But to see it, you have to go out and do it. I think that's why you're obsessed with fly fishing. It has to be. Because it's not just how do I catch this fish with this thing? It's the water, the entomology, the oxygen, oxygenation. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) Oigenation. (laughs) For going with Dan. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's the hatch cycle. It's the sunshine. It's the water temperature. It's the CFS. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's, I mean, it's all of it. Yeah. And then yeah, year after year after year, you put more pieces of the puzzle together and the next thing you know, you're the guy taking somebody out and they're like, how in the world is he catching all these fish? They're taking in one or two factors into equation. You're taking in 200. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all of these things come together. And I know my best shot is to do it this way. And it's going to happen. Yeah. Which is just really cool. And Helgramites are now uh, are like arsenal tool, oh, tools yeah. of the trade. Absolutely. I thought this is a shout out to Keith Reeves, Ozark Mountain Fly. He, he commented on this post that I made kind of following up from that uh, reel. The post I said was, um, I, you know, I, I did some more research. So the white circles are, are eggs from the eastern Dobson fly, whose larva is better known as the Helgramite, a.k.a. the devil scratcher. Mm. Ooh, up there with the Ozark Helbin. Which That's is a, a cool name. Really yeah. cool nickname. It is. Um, and that is, a, that is an Ozark-specific uh, name. Really? Lingo. Devil scratcher. The devil scratcher. I like that. That that um what's with all this transcends from the Ozarks. Devil hell names. I can't. Dude, I we've mean... got to get an episode <laughs> on just folklore. Yeah, we do. At some point in the Ozarks. We do. That's where it's coming from. Yeah. So, so cool. then it, so then it goes on to say, uh the adult so the Dobson fly is where the Helgramite comes from. Only lives for a couple of days um as an adult, with its single focus being on breeding and laying eggs. However, after the eggs hatch, the, El- the Helgramite will fall into the water and live for two to three years underwater as a vital part of the o- Ozark Streams ecosystem. So that was, that was the caption I put. Keith Reeves put, um, which is, Keith is a phenomenal angler, um, ties some incredible flies. We've actually talked Talk about a $200,000 fish that you didn't catch. Him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we interviewed him and our audio corrupted, and so we didn't get it. We still need to follow up with him. Uh, but he, he commented, he said, I wouldn't have known this either if it had not been for listening to the podcast this morning on the way to the creek. I was shocked how many there were up and down the creek. I've always fished them in the riffles. So he fishes them. He actually ties an amazing Helgramite. Um, I've always fished them in the riffles where there are chunky rocks or slab rocks laying in the current, but never looked at the trees for clues. I found new confidence fishing them today. That's the point I wanted to make. That's cool. Finding new confidence. Like when you go out and you learn that thing, it gives you just one more reason to be in that spot, to add that to your arsenal, mm-hmm. to hunt that tree, to hunt that rub or that persimmon or whatever food source you're looking at. And that applies to deer, turkey, bear, fish, doesn't matter. That's like the pinnacle of being an outdoor. And that's the guy saying that who ties a pattern. Who literally ties yeah. it. Yeah. And it's who's, amazing. Who's now going... Oh, that's another piece. And now, and now I'm gonna mm, be better at it. And he's gonna be scary good at fishing hell yeah. now because he's gonna know exactly like, oh, this this river is covered in them. Yeah, yeah. like guys like that that you give them that knowledge, and then that unlocks like a next level for him. So shout out Keith. Hope Keith. you're doing well, man. You're tying some great flies. So some full circle back to beauty and passion and all the things we kind of kicked this thing off with. The more we've been talking about all of this this evening, the more it makes me think like why we as outdoorsmen are even drawn to certain figures in the outdoor world. Mm. And you start to recognize this because they have that amount of knowledge. They put enough pieces of the puzzle together. They've been in, in the woods or in the water or wherever long enough that they are kind of fully immersed into the ecosystem. Like the, the world is colored differently for them when they're doing their thing. And then they're also, they're willing to pass it along in a way that gets other people roped into it. Mm-hmm. And they want to go be a part of it. Yeah. I, I mean, personal story, like I wanted to get into my deer hunting. I wanted to get into deer hunting because I watched how it affected my dad and how much he just loved it. Yeah. And it's like, that's captivating. Yeah. Like, he's super about this. What's this about? And he's got all these stories that I grew up on of just ridiculous deer hunting stories. And I was, it truly was like, I want, a, I want a piece of that. I want to know what that feels like. And now we're getting to do it on our own. And it's, 
we get to pass it on. It's yeah. just really yeah. cool. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, that is a that is a great point. That's a great way to wrap it all together. All those Man, did we do that? All those different examples wow. we just talked through. You must be a host or something. That's crazy. Whoa. You're good at what you do, man. This podcast is hosted by Kyle V and Kyle Plunkett and produced by Daniel Matthews. For guest recommendations, episode ideas, and general questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or email us at theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, we love making this show and being able to offer this podcast to y'all for free. But if you're listening and you want to support the Ozark Podcast to allow us to travel even further and meet more interesting people, head over to our Patreon and sign up to join our most loyal listeners. Let me tell you, these folks are 100% certified Ozarkins. And of course, we can't forget to thank our good buddy, J.D. Clayton, for providing the amazing music for today's episode. Check out his website to see where he's touring next at jdclaytonofficial.com. 